come to the end of your life. And I promise it's going to hurt. Go ahead. Make my day. You're locked in here with me. Well, I may be super, but <laughs> I'm no hero. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a monumental podcast. That's right. We have changed the name just so you didn't get it last episode. Uh, we are a monumental podcast show, a show where we discuss the very best of the best, a variety of topics. I'm your host, Nicholas Bassett, and with this and with me this week, we have my panel of experts. Uh, we have a smaller cast this week, so we'll go down the line if you want to introduce yourselves. I am Kyle Two this week. I am new to the podcast. Welcome. We are very excited to have you on board. We're going in order, introduction of order of how we're doing these things. So, Chris, you're next. Uh, I am Chris One. And uh, I'm Kyle 27. <laughs> Kyle 27, perfect. Uh, so here's how the show works. Uh, for every episode, we choose our Mount Rushmore of a certain topic, share and discuss. Now, regardless how you feel about the monument, someone thought a long time ago that these four presidents deserve their very own mountainside monument. So for this week's episode, we're discussing who is on your Mount Rushmore of anti-heroes. The qualifications for this episode are as follows. A central character in a story, movie, or drama who lacks conventional heroic attributes. Although an anti-hero may sometimes, uh, uh, for actions that are morally correct, uh, is not always for the right reasons, often acting primarily out of own self, their own self-interest, or in ways that defy conventional ethical codes. Anyone that falls under these guidelines qualify for this week's topic. So, gentlemen, who is on who? What antiheroes deserve their own mountainside monument? Uh, like every week, I always roll a die uh, to determine who goes first. I pre-recorded that uh, so we don't have to waste some time. And first up is Kyle Two. So, Kyle Two, what is your first hit on your monument? So, my first hit is a bit of a hot take on whether or not this person is actually an anti-hero, but I would always argue that they are. My first head is Albus Dumbledore. What? Ooh. Why would he be an anti-hero? Ooh. Ooh, all right. Do go do explain. Do explain. I've always thought that Albus Dumbledore was specifically because he made sure that Harry stayed safe all the way throughout his childhood and raised him so that he could die at the exact right time to save the world. He did, in fact, Dumbledore did raise him to the world. However, he also raised him to die. Okay. Yeah. I, can, I, can, I can understand that. Anybody have any qualms with that? I got to process that one. Because, I mean, you're not wrong. He did do that. But I don't know if that really makes him an anti-hero. Yeah, I've, I guess I've never really thought about him being an anti-hero. But... I mean, the way he raised him to die. And, you know, it's one of those, like, did he do it? But, but did he do it by unconventional means? Well, he didn't torture That's, the guy or that... anything. Right, right. He didn't torture him. So that he didn't raise him in unconventional means or anything. But, you know, he stuck him with... The Dursleys, which are arguably pretty terrible people. Mm-hmm. The torture in all themselves. Well, yeah. Dumbledore Correct. did call him out, though, for being pretty p- big pieces of shit, for being blunt here. Yeah. True, true. Agreed. I I had never really thought about that. You know, that's 
That's that's an interesting. That's a very interesting take. I'm gonna be I like mean, drinking beers and just pacing around my room later. Like, God, is he a is he an antihero? Is my life a lie? <laughs> oh my God. I, I mean, I mean, antihero is kind of like antihero is on a spectrum because you know there are more there are more there are antiheroes that are that lean farther to the villain side than the hero side, and there are antiheroes that fall more to the hero side than the villain side. So you know it's. It's on a spectrum, so I could I could definitely see that uh, as as Albus Dumbledore being an antihero, not a very big one, but that's a that's a good take. That's a good take. Thank I you. mean, it definitely does follows the uh, he is just following the greater good and doing what needs to be done, which I feel like is a very antihero trait. Agreed. He does he does what he believes needs to be done in order to save the world, and unfortunately, what needed to be done was to protect protect a child to the point where at the he could die at the exact correct time all right very good yeah, usually if uh, i hear an anti-hero from the harry potter universe it's usually snape i think that's definitely yeah. the obvious one yeah like i said i'm gonna that, that, around my room tonight just going what the fuck because <laughs> does because i mean because does now, I, I, it's been a long time since I've read or watched the movies, but um, does Albus Dumbledore know that Snape is a Death Eater? Like, does he know that? Oh, yeah, he knows that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he was in on the whole plot to, he was in on the whole, they were in on it to whole, the whole plot to kill each other, right? Like, to kill, like, have Snape kill Dumbledore, right? Yeah, he was in on it. So that's definitely an unconventional, that's definitely, you know, unconventional means of anti-heroism. I, I, I would... I would definitely agree that Dabbas Dumbledore could be considered an anti-hero, mm-hmm. but more on more leaning towards the hero than the villain side. I more the hero that. than the anti. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Granted, he always he always was one to um protect his own image, like even his sister, who I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Um, he kept his sister basically hidden from the entire world in or- because she was a squib, which is a non-magic person born into a magic family. Oh, fuck. I forgot all... I think you're actually onto something here. Yeah. <sighs> we just, did, we, did we just blow the whole world's mind with, <laughs> with this take? This may, be the hot, this may be the hottest take yet we've had on the podcast. <laughs> Let's bring Kyle 2 back again. <laughs> Uh, for sure. <laughs> if he keeps having hot takes like this, definitely. He might become uh, Kyle Wan before too long. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris, do you want to share your first head? Uh, yeah. So my first head, you, the people that know me might be, might wonder who's my first pick. But surprisingly, my first pick is not Vegeta. My first pick is Magneto, a.k.a. Max Eisenhart. Oh, that's um, a good one. A, a lot of one. people just see him as the villain, but I I am adamant that Magneto is an antihero. Well, I mean, he's just I, trying I would, to protect his race. That's exactly. all he's really trying to do. I would I would definitely agree with you. I, mean, he, I would definitely agree. He grew with you. up in the uh, in a middle class German Jewish family during the Nazi rise to power, and he's he is determined to prevent mutant kind from going through the the, the same atrocities that the Jews went through that he and the Jews went through 
Uh, mm, and and doing that by by very unconventional means, but no, I definitely agree with you. I mean, there's he, definitely he was, some vengeance that he puts forth, which is very anti-hero. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he and uh, his old friend Professor Xavier. I mean, they want they, their goals are pretty much the same thing, but he's willing to. I say go the extra mile, but I mean, he he's willing to to kill the right people if he if need be. Um, Definitely, I agree. One of, one of my one of my favorite favorite scenes in all of cinema is the very first X Men, uh, where you see Magneto, uh, uh, being separated from his mom. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he's like reaching out his hand for her, and like the 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 um the the fence and everything is like bending and getting pulled away and everything. Uh, him discovering he's his metal his metal uh, manipulation powers just. Such a great scene. Absolutely. Uh, another one of my favorite scenes is one of the newer X-Men movies. I think it's uh, I think it's Days of Future Past when I go back in time. And it's when uh, Tyrion Lannister is uh, running the Sentinel program. And yeah. he's, given, he's given the speech talking about how dangerous the, the X-Men are. And then Magneto comes in and he's like, you know what? We are dangerous. And he just starts trying to kill Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just trying to save him from the end of Game of Thrones. No yeah. need to live through that. Right, yeah. He was he was Tyrion's <laughs> true champion. Um, but yeah, he's he's always been probably my second favorite X-Men besides Gambit, but um, and fun fact, he entombed Red Skull alive in the comics. Oh yeah. Oh. So, that's ooh. Oh my poetic ooh. justice right there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, that's uh, because you forget that the because I oh man because I forget that you know the Hydra is you know a, is a advanced Nazi cell so yeah man that's that's poetic justice right, right there yeah one of my favorite antiheroes ever awesome awesome very good uh Kyle two Kyle one I mean uh do you want to share your first hit we're gonna go with Kyle twenty seven <laughs> Kyle twenty seven I like the I'm ring sorry. of that you know I would put a big right, twenty seven it sounds like an old RuneScape uh, username. Huh? Probably, but uh, <laughs> so all right. Well, since Kyle number two went with a novel or a book, and Chris went with comic book, I'm gonna go the video game route, and I'll present my first one as Kratos from the God of War series. Ooh, yes, Dude, my list. Kratos is like he's really on that line of just straight up villain and antihero. Um, the only thing that probably makes him more antihero is the fact that. He felt betrayed by the God of War, Ares, and is just trying to wreak vengeance out of that. And, you know, obviously, like, through this, he, what, murdered his uh, his wife and kids on accident. So that kind of puts him a little more towards the anti-hero part of my, uh, my scale here. But, god damn, dude. Kratos is a fucking savage. Like, mm-hmm. he is. all those games, uh-huh. man, he just fucks and murders his way to the end. Like, he he ripped open Kronos from the inside. He skewered the Hydra, tore open an Elephantar's brain, burned Prometheus alive, punched Hercules' head until it was nothing but pus, ripped the wings off of Icaret, and cut Hermes' legs off just for his boots. Just to name a few things. Yep. The one of the most satisfying things in video games for me was when you just get to punch Zeus. Over and over and over, and there's no, there is no prompt to stop. You can punch him as long as you want, and 
then you find, and then you can either like, I think it's like you either pull, just pull away or, or something. There is a prompt. There is probably a prompt to stop. I can't remember, but you can just punch Zeus as long as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, now, that's, I would, a, that's a, and I, go ahead, Kyle. I would agree with that. The first, the first group of up until the newest God of war, I think the newest God of war, I would lean more towards hero for him instead of anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And that that's where I was going to I was where I was just going to bring up that that the you know he's he's definitely he's definitely leaned towards more villain than anti-hero than than the the villain side of the spectrum in the first three in the first three games but the fourth game really brings out his anti-hero brings him back towards the center where you know he cares for the boy and and they really and they want to and they want to was it Baldrick is they're trying to defeat Baldir yes because I because I haven't played the fourth one, I've seen gameplay of it, but I haven't played the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't played the fourth one either. I've only played uh, the first two, and oh, uh, what was that one like assertions or some crap like that? Oh, mm-hmm. that was on like the PSP or something like that. No, it was uh, it was for PS3. Okay, the um, yeah, the God of War is definitely a uh, definitely one of the one of the you know top tier video games that. Get you that gets you to play a, a, a character, and you try and and you question along the moral the moral standards of it as you as you're playing along the way. Mm. I mean, I was mainly sitting there going, "Wow, this is bloody! I love it." <laughs> oh yeah, God of War is actually well, that too. why I switched to PlayStation over Xbox. Oh, because PlayStation I played God of War, and, and I agree now. PlayStation is so much better, but an xbox guy and then i played one god of war game and i'm like you know i can give up halo so that i can play all of the god of war games <laughs> you made the right choice i uh you know i and i still we're, we won't get too much in the console wars here but you know i the the ps the the PlayStation playstation exclusives is what will eventually make probably make me switch over because like because like you can't play the last of us on on Xbox. It's a PlayStation exclusive, and I've I've, I've I've only seen I've only seen gameplay of The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two. I've never actually played the game, so I really want to like get a get a PlayStation and play those games. I just think the Xbox hardware is a piece of crap. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's, and there's you're entitled to your opinion, but with your remember the, with the Xbox One X, you can. <laughs> That's a little inside joke on our friends friend group. <laughs> All right, um, I guess I will share my um, mine uh, first pick. Um, so we've already come, kind of mentioned a few, uh, mentioned one of them on here, but I'm going to go with someone uh, that I know is on another person's list because it, it's not on Kyle's list. He's insane. I'm going with the man with no name. Hell the, yeah! The uh, the dollars tri- the dollars trilogy. Um, this is played by Clint Eastwood. If you ever never seen these movies, um, the film the films consist of uh, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and it all tells the story of a man trying to hunt down a trying to find this gold this gold through um, uh, through a series of clues and stuff. And it's it's just the way it was filmed and the way he goes about doing things is just it, he's he's peak antihero. He, he's in it for himself. He he kills anybody that gets in his way. 
he wants any he, he just wants these he and, he, and all of it is for money that that's the entire premise premises for money uh, today I learned and, actually that he kills more people than the villain in uh, the good the bad the ugly oh yeah oh yeah totally <laughs> without a doubt very nice and and I just the good the bad the ugly is in is in my top 10 film lists of all time and not just because of the story it's the score it's the characters i mean it's just everything about it is just one of my favorite films of all time and clint eastwood being the man of no name just makes makes this film um well i feel like this was like the spaghetti western genre i always just felt like this is definitely one of the ones that popularized it um spaghetti westerns i always feel like are more uh I guess more accurate to how the West would look. Because if you look at like Hollywood Westerns, you know, everyone's all clean looking and everything. You look at spaghetti Westerns, they're dirty, they're ugly, they don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um the director of I, I remember reading I remember reading uh the director uh, uh Sergio uh Leon. Leon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Sergio Leon. He he really did his research to make to make these guys look grungy and look everything and look look the way they do uh to to kind of give that real west vibe um the cool thing that i find about spaghetti westerns is a lot of them are filmed in italy mm-hmm. uh but they're but they're based in america because italy has that more of a of a western type look to it yeah, it'd be fun to visit italy just for that very reason i i, I want to uh, my one of my bucket list items which this is one of those like almost impossible ones is to go to the final shootout area where they did the final shootout in the good bad the ugly oh the good mexican standoff yeah the mexican standoff or the, the very the, the final scene oh that 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 scene right there is like peak cinema just them standing around with the music playing and that trumpet blaring and then looking at each other it's just it's so good. Yeah, I got a, a tip for watching these movies. It's a very subtle thing. Uh, the man with no name, he's always walking around smoking, right? What's he smoking? Cigar, right? No, he's smoking a fucking blunt. Trust me. <laughs> just trust me. Just watch it with the mindset that that is a blunt, and it makes the entire thing that much better. It's like he doesn't say <laughs> much or anything. He's just walking around high as balls, shooting people like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I miscounted. It's four fucking four four coffins. You got to build. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to watch it like that. All right. The next time I do that, I will watch. I will watch it like that. Also, that movie. Uh, even that, that that movie really did solve a good riddle for cowboys. <clears throat> What's a cowboy's favorite dinner? What spaghetti western? <laughs> Boo! Here all week. Boo! Here all week. With that, we're gonna move back on to Kyle too oh, you're demoted. for his second. You demoted to Kyle for his second pick. <laughs> so, so Kyle too, what's on your what's on your second what's on your second uh what's your second pick? So my pick is uh, I've just recently finished the entire series. Um, mine is Dexter Morgan. Hmm. From awesome, very good choice. He's just very good choice. He's just such a badass character. He's always literally one step ahead of the entire Miami PD. And he's just spectacular. I, I would agree. The, 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 the twists and turns that this, this show has with Dexter 
is just phenomenal. Um, all the way up to the Trinity Killer thing, uh, mm-hmm. ser- uh, episodes are, are just, they're just fantastic. And, and you can see the, the internal struggle Dexter always has with, you know, his, he talks about his dark passenger, which is, you know, his serial killer side. Isn't his thing and, is uh, he, he only kills the bad guys? That's, that's the whole thing with that show? Correct. Yes. He only kills, he only kills killers. So his dad, his adoptive father, when he was, he was um, adopted when I think he was four years old because his mother, he watched his mother be brutally murdered in a um, shipping container. And he sat in that shipping container four days until he was found by his adoptive father, who was the chief of the Miami police. Um, And as he was growing up, his dad basically started to figure out that, hey, there's some lingering things from this. And Dexter is showing signs that one day he will, in fact, be a serial killer. So basically, his dad gave him a moral code and taught him how to be able to kill and who to kill without ever being caught. <laughs> what kind of and, fucking dad is this? Well, <laughs> I can well, tell you're going to be a serial killer, boy. <laughs> so let me tell you how to kill people and how to kill the right ones. Well, I mean, and you know that you could kind of see it like I, I see it like this. You know, my my problem with Dexter's dad was if he's seeing these these attributes, why not get him proper help instead of instead of teaching him to kill. Like, why not give him the proper help? Well, obviously, if he did that, we wouldn't have a show. But, at the same time, logically speaking, if you're seeing these guy, this guy that has psychopathic tendencies, you need to give him the actual help he needs, instead of uh, saying, hey, you're going to be a killer one day, so I'm going to teach you to kill the right people. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But, you have to remember, that this is set in the... Uh... I actually can't remember when it's set, but Dexter was uh, 2000, early, early 2000s. Yeah. So Dexter was born in the 1970s, and that was before right. we really got into the mental health side of things, of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he's a kid growing up in the 70s, and his dad finds out, oh, you're probably going to be a serial killer. So instead of sending you to a mental hospital where they'll lock you up forever. Let me teach you how to do this to protect yourself and to protect others from you. Good point. A very good point. Um, did you, so did you just recently just, just start watching this, watching the show? Um, I watched it over the summer. I uh, just recently finished it. I was super busy over the summer, so it took me the entire summer mm-hmm. to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we won't, we, this is, Dexter's on the lines, uh, had an ending along the lines of Game of Thrones. We won't, we won't talk too much about the ending of that show. No, it was just, um, we're, we're, we'll talk, we'll talk about it for a little, for a second. So anybody that has not seen Dexter, um, you might want to fast forward just a little bit, but we're going to talk, there's a major spoiler. Spoiler alert right here for Dexter. Um, so, towards the end of the show, uh, he's on the verge of getting caught. Like, it's, he's just, people know who he, people know he's a killer now. 
the half half the police people know he's a killer. His his uh, stepsister Deb knows he's a killer, and it just and it gets really weird. Like she falls in love with him, and she has fantasies about him too. It just it, it gets really weird in this last season. What the fuck? Right for real, no, and it just gets really and. And so, towards the end of the show, and so, like, the very last episode, Deb dies, spoiler alert again, and, and he, he goes, and he drives out into the ocean where he, where he dumps all these body parts, like, where, because he always chops up the, he chops up the body and dumps it in the ocean. And he dumps her off, he dumps her off into the ocean, and there's a storm coming in from the coast, and he just drives off into the storm, and you assume that he died. And if he had died and killed himself there, that would have been a Perfect ending to the show. Perfect ending to the show, in my opinion. Because he's dead now. There's no coming back from that. It's perfect because he's dead. <laughs> well, seriously, because how do you... Because I, I just don't... And, but but the very last scene shows shows uh, these guys in a logging camp, and he's up in, like, Alaska someplace, uh, and he's got a big old beard now, and he's a lumberjack. Hmm. I mean, we, like, he we escaped all know the storm. lumberjacks are murderers. Just look at <laughs> And it just would have been a it would have been a much better ending if Dexter had died, in my opinion. Agreed. Next episode: bad series endings. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore right? bad series endings. Oh, we could man. they could totally do an episode. We could totally do an episode on that. I've got a couple in mind. Just oh, Game, I had, I had just Game of Thrones four times. We'll add that to the list. Well, no, there's a couple. There's a couple. Uh, there's a couple shows I would I would debate on whether that that had a way worse ending than than Game of Thrones. Yeah, way worse. Yeah, I just think, but we won't uh, get into that because I just think Game of Thrones probably hits the worst just because of how long we all spent watching it, and mm-hmm. it's still yeah. it's still sore. I still like just find myself angry during the day. Oh, me too. Me too. Sore and bitter. <laughs> all right, Chris, your second pick. Um, all right, for my second pick, unsurprisingly, is Fujita, son of King Fujita on Planet Fujita, the Prince of All Saiyans. Um, to me, just. I mean, this guy is just pure anti-hero, um, especially 100%. just. I, I, he, I mean, he's always been my one of my favorite uh, anime characters, and he's my favorite DBZ character as well. Um, but even when he was a villain, I mean, he was he was going to Earth to get the Dragon Balls to become immortal, so he could kill Frieza, who's been oppressing his people, who killed his people, who killed his father. Just a real asshole. Yeah. Um, and even even after uh, the Earthlings kick his ass, he still goes back, goes to Planet Namek to get those Dragon Balls to become to try to become immortal. Um, he ends up teaming up with the Earthlings. Um, but unlike the Earthlings, he's willing to finish the job and kill and kill the opponents. Uh, when the Ginyu when uh, Goku's fighting Jason Birder. Um, <laughs> Goku just wants to knock them, knock them out, and um, Vegeta knows, you know, once they recover, they're gonna come back and kill us. So he just straight up murders them right there. He's like, no, we're, mm-hmm. gonna, we're gonna end this right now. Um, and he just, and he always sticks to his his Saiyan pride. Um, even when it, I am a Saiyan warrior. Yeah, even when it often comes at a cost to the hero's cause like letting cell become perfect he's like you know what no. that was that was that 
part really solidified me, solidified in my per in my personal opinion, solidified his anti heroness. Yeah, that because he could real he could have just wiped Cell off the map and be done with it. Mm -hmm. But he got so cocky and so into his own pride that he wanted to see if he could beat a perfect cell, mm -hmm. which he couldn't. Spoiler alert. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of this series, and now I don't even need to watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. But that scene and also in the Cell, cell Saga, um, when Goku's coming to the tail end of his match against Cell, and everyone's like, oh, no, throw him a sense of being in. And Fujita's like, no. Goku's going to fight it to the end because he's a Saiyan. And that's what we do. And Vegeta's like, just like, no! How dare you? How dare like, you fucking disgrace the Saiyans with your lame-ass Sensu Bean? Yeah. Who needs yeah. a fucking Sensu Bean? And uh, all the... 2020 needs a Sensu Bean, right? That for real. Can we, get, for real. can we get 2020 a Sensu Bean, please? For real. I, yes, yes. And like, in the movies... He, I mean, despite always getting his ass kicked right after, but he always Emphasis has on that. the coolest entrances in the movies and the in the episodes. I mean, he's just he's just a badass. And his there's, there's this uh, YouTube series called like what's well, called Anime House. I forget who does it, and Vegeta's a character on there. And like when it goes, <laughs> they're talking about Vegeta. They're like, all he does is get his ass kicked the entire show. That's all he does. <laughs> Pretty much. But he, he does have like the best intros. But yeah, he just gets the shit beat out of him all the fucking time. I, I will say that that Vegeta, after he marries Bulma, starts leaning way more towards the hero side because oh yeah, he he starts caring for Bulma and caring about the planet and where he lives and things like that. So like, especially in Dragon Ball Super. Uh, um, in Super, I would but, define him as a as a hero, but especially in the Frieza and Cell Saga. Pure, oh no, there's pure, no doubt. There's no doubt. Pure anti-hero. He just he, oh, he just needed that waifu wop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waffles and pancakes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, the uh, Vegeta's sacrifice against Boo is my favorite scene in DBZ. I think. Oh, that would have been the best reaction ever for Vegeta. It's just like going from someone who was going to go destroy the Earth to someone who, like, if they would have made it so he had killed Majin Buu at that point, that would have been excellent. But yeah. I will say, though, despite my issues with the Majin Buu saga, it paved the way for us to get Super, and I think Super's fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, Dragon Ball Super is, is top tier, Dude, in my opinion. It was super. very it's very good. All right. Kyle twenty Kyle twenty eight since you've been demoted. I will not be demoted because, <laughs> and I'm and you know what I want to keep talking about Vegeta. So Vegeta, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Is he is Vegeta on your list? You know, come on. Of course it's on. I, you Vegeta's on my... how much I love Dragon Ball at this point. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of, of course. course. Vegeta's on my list too. So excellent. I only have one. I only have one more person on the list that has not been said yet because. Dexter's on my list and Vegeta's on my list. Wait, so Kyle two is Vegeta on your list? Um, Dragon Ball Z is on my list of things to watch, but I have not gotten to it yet. I grew up in uh about five years after you guys, so I just I just barely missed the Dragon Ball Z train, but it uh, is on my list of things to watch. Yeah, so you probably but, got like Kai at best. Yes. 
That, that's fine. We're still going to demote you to Kyle 3, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Kyle, go ahead and continue on with Vegeta if you want to. Yeah, going on with what Chris said, like, uh, you know, he shows up at the planet and, you're, you know, he could have just destroyed it. As soon as Piccolo died and the Dragon Balls were no more on Earth, he could have been like, well, that's a lost cause and just destroyed it. But he didn't. Sure, he killed the bug world on the way there, but like no one likes bugs, so we'll we'll give it a slide. <laughs> uh, they first introduced this guy. I actually have it written down here. It's like chapter two hundred four of the Dragon Ball manga, but uh, they first introduce him in the anime, like right after uh, they kill off Raditz, and Raditz just like, oh, guys, are talking about the Dragon Balls. This handy dandy scouter here is actually transmitting to my Saiyan comrades. Mm-hmm. Even though I, wa- I want to know what damn cell phone service they have to get that good reception. Because they're like way, way far. Like, they're over like a year away, is it? Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely not Verizon Wireless. I can tell you that right now. It's not Verizon. <laughs> it's it's Namek. <laughs> so, you know, he finds out, he comes over, and going on with Chris said, it's he wants to become immortal, but not just to like, you know, be the asshole that's immortal. He's like, no, like, I, I gotta get vengeance for my race. Like, I gotta take Frieza down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he obviously he meets Goku throughout this, and he becomes, like, the best rival Goku could ask for, because Vegeta just is constantly pushing Goku to new limits. Like, I would say if Vegeta wasn't there, Goku wouldn't reach the limits that he breaks. Not that he wouldn't keep chasing it, Vegeta definitely... Is like he's that guy in second place that every time you look in your rearview mirror, you're like, Jesus Christ, he's getting closer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Press the accelerator. Though, allegedly, mm-hmm. right now, going on just tangents of Machida. Sorry, I'm way too invested in Dragon Ball. Uh, <laughs> apparently, in the the manga right now, Machida has actually surpassed Goku for the moment. But we all know Goku's going to surpass him. That, like, that won't last very long. And this <laughs> happened in the Android slash Cell saga, where you know Vegeta emerged from the uh, hyperbolic time chamber, and he was stronger than Goku at that very moment. But you know, mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorite features of of the Dragon Ball Z universe is the hyperbolic time chamber. I love that. I love that thing. Mm-hmm. Imagine like <laughs> it's such an ex it's such an ex machina, but it's like a subtle ex machina. Well, I think it's kind of funny is that, you know, you you age a year in there. So just imagine like being in, I don't know, high school or something like that. And you go, you go ask, you know, would you like to go to the prom with me? Oh, you're not, you're not tall enough yet. Hyperball time chamber. What up? I'm taller now. (laughs) (laughs) You come out more handsome than you were previously. You get a hotter date. (laughs) Get a hotter date. Shit, dude. I mean, for miles, I procrastinate. I'd probably be like, oh, I got a. I got class in an hour. Oh, hyperball chime chamber of this crap. Screw it. <laughs> then I just but, procrastinate for another year. Yeah, probably <laughs> just procrastinate. Uh, you know, I feel like doing another Zelda run. I always feel like doing that. <laughs> but uh, I will say, I think the biggest reason that we need to have Vegeta on the monument is because if we don't put Vegeta on the monument, he's just going to do a big bang attack and destroy the monument. So we got to put him on there. Or else he's just mm-hmm. gonna destroy the damn thing. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go on with my next pick. Um, so um uh Vegeta and Dexter Morgan are both on my list, so I'm gonna go with my last pick. Mr. Frank Castle, the Punisher. Oh, baby. Hell yeah, brother. This dude is the epitome. He is the definition 
of anti-hero. Mm-hmm. But he's who I think of. He he is he is a fucking killer. He is ruthless. He's a badass. He's a veteran. He's uh, he's just he's a veteran. America, fuck yeah, dude! Yeah. The Punisher freaking snipes someone off a roof with a rocket Purnell grenade. Yeah. In case you've never seen Punisher Warzone, I recommend it. It's awesome. Oh yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. Cheap. Um, the the most the the most um. The most me like I've I've read the Punisher comics, so that's where I get most of my media from him for. But like my representation of my representation of of him from like a show is the Netflix series. Oh, and um, who's the guy that plays him? Chris John Berthelot. Uh, yes, just does a such good job at portraying him, and like and portraying the mental capacity. That he has uh, just this, his his thirst for vengeance for who killed his wife and kids and and it's just that's all he cares about mm-hmm. is 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 getting his vengeance and he will go to any lengths whether it be torture killing blowing shit up to get his vengeance for his wife and kids is just oh I, I ooh, yeah. Ooh. If 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 I were gonna turn tail for somebody, it'd be the Punisher. <laughs> TMI, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know he actually made his first appearance in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man uh, 129. Always yes, worth, he did. Always worth noting because I, I love Spider-Man, so I gotta give the Spider-Man shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a yes, high list did. as well for those very reasons, Nick. That he's just ruthless. He's just what you think of as the anti-hero, and like you said, he's going to go to no restraints. He's going to murder, kidnap, extort, coercion, torture. He's just going to deliver his brand of justice. He's like, screw it. These guys have no morals. Why the fuck should I? Yeah. Um. So I th- I think I think this was the Punisher, or at least it either stole it from the Punisher or this was the Punisher. Um, he's all about psychological too. So like, um, there's an, I'm pretty sure this is the Punisher where he's got someone tied up and he's interrogating him. And, uh, and he shows the, he shows this guy, the, uh, this hot, this hot iron. And he's like, you don't tell me what I want. I'm going to press this hot iron to your back. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. And, um, and, uh, so he, I think this is from the movie. And he has the popsicle. Yeah, he's got the popsicle, oh, and he touches the popsicle to the guy's back because something that hot feels cold when you get burned by it. So he, this guy thinks he's getting burned, but he's just getting this popsicle touched on his back. This like <laughs> he's he he hits everything when it comes to when it comes to being an antihero, psychological, physical, everything. My favorite part of that scene is after he's done, he's done all the information he wants, he shoves the popsicle in his mouth, and the guy just kind of, like, looks and kind of puts two and two together, sees, like, the meat he was smoking to make the sizzling sound, kind of, like, looks the popsicle in his mouth, starts putting two and two together, and he takes the popsicle out of his mouth, and he's like, you are not a nice man. <laughs> <laughs> I also love going with some of his, uh, I guess, I don't know if this really falls under torture or what, but uh, he goes up to one of the sons in that movie, and uh, he puts like, like some C four, some crap. I, I'm not, uh, I'm no genius when it comes to explosives. But essentially, like if he moves the explosive, it's gonna blow up. And he just makes him stick his hand straight up and just hold it there. It's like the second you move that, it's gonna blow up. It's not working out. Oh. And he just walks out. And I just remember 
he runs to the main guy he's going after, and the guy is just like, you killed my son. And in the background, you see the explosion, and the Punisher's just like, both of your sons. <laughs> so brutal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was one. There was one comic where there's one. There one of the one of the episodes, and this is I think this is one of from from one of the alternate universes with the Punisher, or, or one a different timeline. But there was one comic where I remember reading where he had been he had he was getting really pissed off this one guy that had been evading him for a while, and when he finally caught up. There is literally like two pages of panels, different drawings of him just punching this guy in the face over and over and over and over. And like, and the blood just gets in all over his face and like it's just dripping off of him. Just, uh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. And that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kyle, too. What's your next pick? Um, so my next pick is going to be, uh, from an anime that's more my time. Um, Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender. That is a way hot take. Yeah. Okay. So, you got so technically, that, may, that, that might be more of a hot take, more of a hot take than, uh, than Albus Dumbledore, because I'm a, I'm a Avatar fanatic here, so tread well, lightly. I, d- don't worry. I, I have my reasoning. So, throughout the entire series, technically, he is a part of the Fire Nation. He is hunting, helping to hunt down the Avatar. However, he is only doing so in order to try and teach Zuko that he does not need to gain the acceptance of his father. That he needs to, he needs to be happy with who he is or so I would I would argue that he's an anti-hero just because he is part of the Fire Nation and that he is in fact hunting down the Avatar, but his intention was always to protect Prince Zuko. I will agree with you up to about the middle of season two, where he just pretty much where Uncle Iroh is pretty much just becomes done with the Fire Nation. I will agree with you up to that point because after because after he is captured by the Dai Li in the in the second season at the end of the season two finale, uh, he's pretty much he pretty much turns from from antihero to hero because he he's just done with the Fire Nation, and he knows that. that he knows that Zuko has lost his way, and it's one of those he, he's one of those like. Now Zuko has to try and find figure this out on his own. I I was tossing back and forth between two characters from um, that universe. So I was tossing back and forth between Uncle Iroh and then Amon from Legend of Korra. And I figured Uncle Iroh would be more interesting to talk about on this because I think everyone can agree that Amon is the epitome of an anti-hero. I I'm not so I'm not so sure honestly. I, I feel like I feel like Amon would be a straight up villain. I feel like he's one of he fits the sympathetic villain trope for me. This, uh, I would I would agree with the sympathetic villain because there's a big difference between antihero and sympathetic villain. He is going at I mean I mean he wants to make everybody equal, but he's going about it the wrong way. 
Oh, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of different. That's that's kind of how our camp qualifications are for antihero. I know it's I, hard. It's hard to define that line between sympathetic villain and antihero. I would definitely consider him more a sympathetic villain. That's fair. Because he, I, I would definitely consider him more. Of, I I could see Uncle Iroh being more of an antihero than than uh, Amon. Uh, and like I said, I would agree with you up until the season two finale. Because after in season three, Uncle Iroh just becomes a sea of a badass and just hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Him him doing all those exercises and gets gets fucking swole in the in the in the the, the Fire Nation gulag. Yeah. <laughs> Fire Nation gulag. Daddy. Or granddaddy, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Name's Uncle Iris. I am looking up swole Uncle Iroh and I want to see what comes up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's swole. So oh, yeah. I'm not someone like, who got... uh, watched Avatar, so I got no opinions here. More like Uncle I think you should I think you should give it a try, Kyle. I think it's a I, I you could probably go without watching Legend of Korra. I for all my Legend of Korra fans here, I love the series. I love the series. But the first one is is just way better than the than Legend of Korra. And there's no comparison. But Legend of Korra is good. I, I do Legend of Korra as I'm watching it. My biggest issue with Legend of Korra is that there are just so many different stories happening at one time. That it's hard to track everything. There's and see, a- the problem with that, the the problem with that that is that Nickelodeon really fucked that production. Like, like it was originally only supposed to be a one off se- one off season, right. and and it was so popular. Nickelodeon's like, hey, make us another one, give us another season, and and uh, the creators like, oh. Okay, so they hurried up, and they didn't really hurry up, but they they tried to they tried to get themselves a, a a new season together, and then they're like, and then halfway through the halfway through the second season, they're like, hey, you're greenlit for two more, and they're like, oh, so now we have to do all this in a short amount of time, and in the last season, they saw uh, Nickelodeon saw the numbers going down, and they're like. Well, we're going to cancel the fifth season. You need to wrap it up. And it just... Nickelodeon really fucked them over, those guys. And it's becoming continually frustrating uh, because there's, cause Netflix is doing a live-action uh, live Avatar series. Oh, no. And the creators just... The creators were on board with that show. And they're like, hey, we're going to make sure that this is our vision and everything. And Netflix is like, nah, nah. We're, we're going to... You, you, we don't like the direction you're taking this, so we want to take it this direction. And the creator's like, "Fine, fuck y'all, we're leaving the show." Yep. Well, and did you hear why they're doing that too? Um, I, so the rumor the the rumor is that they're making the characters older to sexualize them, but I saw that that's not true. Okay. I saw I've seen like place I've seen places where that was like tweeted out from an unreliable source. I've seen where that's not true. I because I would hope I would hope that that's not the case. That they're trying to make a kid's show into more of an adult show, which I don't, I don't need. I don't need more adult things in my life. Mm-hmm. Send me back to two thousand seven. <laughs> Plot twist: They hired All right. Night Shyamalan, just didn't get the message. Right. <laughs> Go up. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. We'll be here. Just all, walking we'll... out of that movie. 
Yeah. I, I sat through the whole thing. Chris and Chris, so a whole group of us. So Chris, our friend, our friend Melissa, Brian, and my sister all went to see the midnight premiere of that fucking movie. And it was the biggest disappointment of my life. See, I, <laughs> I agree. Didn't go to that. Was, I still haven't yeah. seen it. I didn't go with you guys. I thought you did. Mm-mm. No, because I remember I asked you guys about it. And you're like, it doesn't exist. The movie does not exist to me. There is no movie in Ba Sing Se. <laughs> there is no movie in Ba Sing Se. <laughs> but yeah, to this day, I haven't seen it. Based on your good recommendation. Good. Don't. <laughs> Honest, honestly, at this point, it's kind of like a rite of passage for any Avatar fan. Like, you need to watch it to appreciate how good the show is and how horribly they fucked up. Mm-hmm. Avatar. Well, we um... always do with uh, that movie, like we did with the uh, 15-year anniversary of Twilight, where we all get together and just get real drunk and just rip on it. <laughs> That's a fun time. <laughs> that was a good time. That was a good time. All right, keep things moving along here. Chris, your next pick. Uh, so for my third pick... Uh, I have, not to disappoint Luke when he's not here, I have Han Solo, Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Ooh, uh, good job. Main, mainly in episode four, because he's more or less a hero in episode six. Um, but and, and this is going on the unaltered editions, because Han shot first. Han shot first, we all agree. Um, it is known. Because, uh, I mean... When he when the uh, Obi Wan and and Luke are hiring him, I mean he's he's introduced as I mean just kind of this. Uh, uh, I mean he's a bounty a bounty hunter smuggler type dude. Um, he's a smuggler, yeah. Yeah, um, and smugglers aren't technically really good people. Yeah, and like we need this passage because we need to, uh, and with no questions asked, no imperial entanglements. Um, and he gives them the price, and the price is non negotiable. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're going against the Empire for the Empire. It's like, no, you pay me and I'll take you there. Um, and then when he's accosted by Greedo, I mean, he just he's like, nope, I'm just gonna kill you right now. I'm gonna fucking blow you away. So Han shoots. Him. The, Han shoots the first. The thing that Han shoots first. The thing that bugged me about the thing that bugged me a lot about the edited version of that is is how they edited so it looked like his head dodged mm-hmm. the bullet. Oh, and it's like very but, unnatural movement. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no... It's... To have those type of reflexes, you have to be a Jedi. Yeah. Or have Jedi, or have, to quote, metachlorians in your blood. But yeah. I don't. But it's never been established that uh, Han Solo had any, any ties to the Jedi at all. Right. There's no way he'd be able to dodge a blaster shot like that. So that's why forever and always Han shot first. Yeah. If you disagree, you're wrong. Yep. Just unhooks his blaster, shoots him from under the table. But then in the end, he comes and uh and fires at Vader to help Luke destroy the Death Star. I mean despite despite being a being a smuggler, he's still he still helps the, the good guys in the end. but Doesn't he let out a nice yee-haw after he shoots him? Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. Hell yeah, you're all, brother. You're all clear, kid. <laughs> now I blast this. Let's blow this thing and go home. home. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. That's one of those movies. I can't watch uh, New Hope anymore. I've just seen it way too many times. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
a lot of it's just, it's just engraved at this point. And get Chewy a medal, damn it. Get Chewy a medal. They um so so more spoilers coming in for the new the newest Star Wars. Like at the very end, Chewie finally gets his fucking medal. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Only... But still, like Chewie needs a medal in the in the New Hope. Yeah. If you're gonna edit anything in, edit yeah, him seriously. getting his medal. Just just put a just digitize a medal on it. That's all. You why say. doesn't a work? Why doesn't I get it? The reason why she didn't get a he didn't get a medal is because the uh the Alderanians are racist against Wookiees. Maybe, could be. Wookiee life, Wookiee's lives matter. Well, see, we need Luke here right now because he has to be able to confirm that because I do believe in the Star Wars universe there is a bit of racism towards Wookiees. I mean, the, uh, I, I, they were they were enslaved, the, so of course the Empire enslaved them. But oh, the, Alderaan the was not Alderaan was not with the Empire, namely because the Empire destroyed <laughs> Alderaan. Make the Empire great again. <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's a guy I follow on TikTok right now. Who is um who's doing a series where he he's basically he's basically doing like the 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 Make America Great Again people uh, talk about defend Emperor Palpatine mm-hmm. like they're like they're like they're he's they're comparing Palpatine to Donald Trump oh. and they're trying <laughs> and it's just it's it's pretty funny yeah <laughs> that's actually um, funny. But yeah, no, that's a good pick, Chris. Yep, that's my third pick. Um, awesome, Kyle twenty-seven. I guess we're gonna bring you back up to twenty-seven. Uh, we've already talked about all my heads. I'm just at the uh, honorable oh, mention at this point. Okay, okay. So then we'll come. Uh, yeah, we're we're all we're all with we're all good with mine too. Okay. Um, Kyle, Kyle two. You got anything? Um, anything left? Kratos was one. I'm just down to my honorable mention. Uh, Chris, are you up to? Or do you have yours? Uh, do you have any of yours left? Um, yeah, my fourth pick was Geralt of Rivia, the Butcher of Blaviken. Ooh, mainly because what I mean, the fuck is that? He, he, he yeah, almost I mean, made the. You don't know the wit. You don't know the Witcher, Kyle? No, I didn't. I don't play the Witcher. Like I have it because this real dorky kid named Chris bought it for me on Steam. But God, who would ever do that? I don't know. But I mean, no, he's just. He's another he's another for hire mercenary, uh, namely for monsters. He's a monster hunter, but uh, he sticks to the contract, does everything for money. But he, I mean, he also cares for Siri. Like he has he has this own found family as well, um, with Siri and and Yennefer. Um, but yeah, he he. I mean, just kind of similar things with Han Solo. And I will say this: that I could, you kind of compare, kind of comparison to what Kyle, uh, Kyle said earlier about the guy that 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 maims, kills, and fucks his way through the land. That's what Geralt of Rivia does. Exactly. Just all around badass. I've never seen a character get laid as much as that guy. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe Ezio Auditore, but he's de- but Ezio is definitely a hero. I wouldn't consider him an antihero. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to move on to our next segment there, um, our fifth president, where we uh, bring out our honorable mentions. So we'll start down the line. Kyle, too, what is your honorable mention? So it was close to him making the list, but mine is Smeagol 
from Lord of the Rings. Ooh. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like that too. I definitely like that. He he was very, very close to and obviously not Gollum, because Gollum is the one that always wanted to kill the hobbits. They're they're two different people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the fact that he had the uh, self, I think, makes him one of the one of my top five anti-heroes of all time. Well, just the I like inner it. battle I... he's doing with himself the entire time is, I mean, hell, I can't even battle some of my vices, let alone an entire personality that's living in there. Nope. And And to fight him off as long as he did and actually get him to go away for a little while is a, is a feat in itself. Cause you know, the, people talk about mental health, everything. And, and, and this is like this split personality is a mental health defect to the max. Like it, he is a completely different person and the, and the, them fighting with each other. It's, and it's almost like an abusive relationship. Because Smeagol depended on Gollum for survival, and Gollum depended on Smeagol for companionship, and mm-hmm. it was—it's just a—it's a—that's a—that's a great pick, Kyle. That's a great pick. Chris, what's your honorable mention? Um, I've got another Dragon Ball Z character, but uh, Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, uh, for, I love me some Piccolo. Honestly, pretty a lot of the similar. Uh, Similar things as Vegeta. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, you have to go back into Dragon Ball for this, but I mean, Piccolo started as an ad- adversary against Goku, mm-hmm. um, and then it ended up he helped Goku defeat Raditz. He gets to kill Goku a- along that, but after that, um, since they're warned of the two Saiyans, Vegeta and Nappa coming, he trains Goku, his his arch rival's son. Uh, he trains him to learn how to fight. Um, and, and in the process, they become best friends. Yep. And honestly, he's... he's Dodge! He's <laughs> Gohan's real dad. Let's be real. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I love that picture, though. It's, it's like Goku, Piccolo, and Gohan. And Goku and Gohan are... Or, or Goku and Piccolo are standing there looking all, like, tough and mighty. And, you know, Gohan's there as well, looking all Gohan. And just someone put the caption, when your dad and stepdad show up to support you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, just going to say that something like that, Kyle. That yeah. I feel like that Piccolo and Piccolo's, Gohan's, and Goku's relationship is like that, the dad-son-stepdad mm-hmm. uh, dynamic. Or, or adoptive dad. Yeah. You know, the absent father... Oh, he will always have love for his father, but he sees Piccolo more as a father figure than than Goku. Yeah, I mean, Piccolo. I, I guess this might be even more just redemption, but Piccolo then going. I mean, sacrificing himself to save Gohan, the son of his arch rival. I mean, that that whole turnaround just is awesome. I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Kyle, your fifth president. Man, so I couldn't like think of a good honorable mention. I was just sitting there thinking, and I'm thinking, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to put him or him. And I just said, fuck it, and I put Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> 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 Prince of Darkness, man. He goes around. He's a pretty nice dude. like, But he obviously has got his bad vices where he's just like a fucking alcoholic and an ex-drug addict. 
Screw it, man. Ozzy's an anti-hero. He's a voice. <laughs> okay. He's a voice for the alienated. There you go. I will. I will allow. I will allow it. I definitely will allow it. There you go. <laughs> okay. Before before I mention my honorable mention, I know we're going to get some people mad at us by saying, "Well, why didn't you mention Deadpool?" Deadpool is a great anti-hero. Do not get me wrong. However, the oversaturation of him in recent years is why I left him off my list. Same. There are there are a lot better anti-heroes out there than Deadpool. He's the merc with the mouth. He is an awesome anti-hero. Do not get me wrong. But the oversaturation of, of him is why I left him off the list. Dude, Agreed. I knew it was over the time I went to Walmart, looked over, and there was a shirt of Deadpool that said, oh, I'm sorry, did I offend you? And I was like, it's over. Yep. When it when when it when a a great character becomes a terrible meme is when the character is dead to me. Not 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 dead to me, honestly. Yeah, but you like, can't kill dead it, man. He's got to heal. Obviously, but like that's that's what I talk about by oversaturation because it just it gets frustrating when when something becomes so popular and the oversaturation happens because like um. A good example would be the Minions. When the when when Despicable Me first came out, the Minions were hilarious. Do not get me wrong; I thought they were funny. But then it became every Facebook Karens memes <laughs> and Facebook moms and 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 everything. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll call them out. I'll call them out. You see, you know, I, I have I scroll through I scroll through my Facebook thing and I'll see five, six, seven memes about 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 uh, minions they're just terrible they don't make any sense and you see that with deadpool too so that's why he's that's why i left him off my list so and, i don't know if anybody else and i don't know if anybody else i don't know if anybody else agrees with me but that's why i left him off my list no, i agree baby yoda is also a minion tier meme i would like to i would like to say that and uh i kind of falls under that whole like he was a character that we just didn't really deserve it's kind of like rick and morty where like we just didn't really deserve it because it came out, and then people just abused the fandom to a point where it's not mm-hmm. even enjoyable anymore. I would agree. I would agree. I, I, I still, I'm Baby Yoda. I have not seen as much in recent months, but with the uh, the trailer for the Mandalorian uh, season two is supposed to drop sometime this week, and we'll see the memes pop up again. I'm not as tired of Baby Yoda as I am of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my fans. for my actual fifth pick. Um, this is a brand new character that I've just recently got to gotten into from a show that I've just recently gotten into. I have never watched it until until this month. Nick, it's a I started bin- supernatural character, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, <laughs> to this month, I started on April. I started on August first, and I'm starting f- season fifteen tonight, which is the which is this final season of the show. Dang. Um, uh, it would have to be um, uh, Dean Winchester. Um, they, these guys are hunters and they hunt monsters and stuff, but the only thing Dean cares about in the end is saving his brother, Sam. That's the only thing he cares about it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if the world ends. He doesn't care about the consequences of the world. As long as Sam survives or he dies before Sam, that's all he cares about. And the lengths he's gone to in the show that I have seen, uh, Cause, causes uh, time shifts and and so many different things uh, to cause so much more 
pain and suffering in the world. But as long as Sam lives, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose. That's why Dean Winchester is my my uh, uh, fifth president. Nice. Okay, so now we're going to go on to our final segment, the final rush, which is where we collectively, out of all of our lists, come up with a final monument for our show. So, gentlemen, who is on the final rush? I think Vegeta is an easy one. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I'll agree. Um, he's not the top on my list. I think Magneto. I would put Magneto personally above Vegeta. I, and again, we're not ra- this is we're not ranking these. These are yeah. just these are just going on the mountain. Okay. Then I, um, I will... But I would I I would place my vote for Vegeta and Magneto because uh, I completely forgot about him. Because just I don't know, just all of, Ma- of Magneto's backstory just I don't, it, it fits my version of antihero way too does well. Any does anybody have any objections so far? Um, um, obviously, I can't really vote for Vegeta. Since I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z yet, which again I'm very sorry to the group. Um, That's okay. That's okay. Uh, this is a democracy, so you're currently outvoted on Vegeta. Um, I would like to agree with Magneto. I think Magneto is very, very close to my list. Um, honestly, there were like five. There were about ten that I'm like, God, who am I going to put on this list? Mm-hmm. And uh, I I would 100% agree with Magneto. I'd be okay with him. Okay. Kratos into the mix. Well, see, I uh, going for the the comic book one. Uh, I would definitely say that I'd prefer the Punisher over Magneto, but I will respect that I'm outvoted in that one. Well, because I was gonna vote, but I was gonna vote for the Punisher as well. See, my thought is kind of have one genre per so like we already have an anime guy uh okay Anita would be our, our so comic book guy and you know with the so let's discuss the video game so let's discuss the merits between the punisher and magneto then who is more who is more anti-hero between the two because if we're not if we're going to go with one genre each i would put punisher over magneto I would also put Punisher over Magneto. I just think mm-hmm. he's the OG anti-hero. Um, he, he he came around before. He came around before Magneto in in comic in comic wise. True. And there's also the fact that like you know Magneto, he, you can't even argue that he is a he is like a bad guy. Like he's an anti-hero in the spectrum, but he's still more villainous. And they, they did start him out as a villain. I'll I will concede that. Okay, so we're gonna agree. We'll agree with we're, we'll agree with the Punisher. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we have Vegeta and the Punisher. Kyle, too. You were saying uh, you're thinking Kratos for like our video game guy. I would love Kratos to be our video game guy. I I could I could agree with that. Geralt of Rivia is a really good one, Chris. But I but I feel like the more I feel like Kratos's journey is more antihero than than uh um. Than uh, I mean, uh, Geralt because Geralt's Geralt and Geralt is also, story. Garrett is also a literary literary character because he's in books as well. Mm. You, could, you could put both on there. You could. <laughs> you could. Um, I I, I feel like any, at the end of the day, I, Garrett, I feel like war, so I can't I can't I don't have any 
dog in that fight. I, I feel like Geralt has more of a noble cause at the end of the day, whereas whereas um, Kratos. Kratos is in it for himself. One more time, I Kyle, think, do you kind of get out there? Literally hellbent. <laughs> literally yeah. hellbent. I, I would like agree. That. So let's so we have, so are we all so even though uh, even though Chris hasn't played any of the games, uh we're all agreed with uh, Kratos. Yeah, for what you said, I, I agree he's a good anti hero. Okay, so we have Vegeta, Punisher, Kratos, who is our who is on the final who's their final hit on our mountain? Ozzy Osbourne. Honestly, the man with no name. I agree with the I man would, with no name. Man with no name. On board. Like it just All right. classic. You can't you can't not have a classic old western cowboy on there. I mean, agree. All right, real. Very good choice. And I'm I'm surprised Chris was the first one to say it. Yeah. Because I was gonna I was gonna say it, but Chris came out right out firing. Yep. Anyway, just start blasting. Just make my just day. Start blasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this week's uh, uh, episode of a monumental podcast. Uh, I'm going to get my script pulled up here. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I'll be looking, our, looking out for our episode coming in the near future. Sorry we were delayed. Uh, the Iowa Duratio um, put us on hold for a few weeks. If you would like to help donate to the relief efforts, I will be posting a link in the comments below to your local Red Cross or other places where you can help uh, the relief efforts for cleanup. Uh, getting our power back. Uh, the Iowans were really devastated by this storm. So if you're listening outside of Iowa, really consider opening up your heart and donating and helping Iowans uh, try and recover from this terrible storm and this terrible disaster that happened uh, a few weeks ago. Um, if you have a suggestion on what topic we should do next, feel free to DM me at Nicholas Bassett three with one T. Um, if you want to share your Mount Rushmore of antiheroes. You can also DM, DM me that, and I will uh, and I will uh, uh, present them at the beginning of next week's podcast. Um, shout out, as always, goes to Kiwi Soda Pot, who made the artwork cover for the show. You can find them at fiber fiber.com. Link is in the in the description. Thanks again for listening, and have a monumental week. Go Cyclones. <laughs>